Good morning. Happy Thursday to you. It is December 7th. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven at 7 a.m. here on Covenant Network. Thinking about the history of this day. And, uh, well, you know, we've got a lot to get to on the show, so we'll think about the history as well. But let's pray first. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. For all the intentions of your sacred heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, I, I think back to the stories I've heard about World War II. It was, it was before my time. Uh, one of my favorite movies this time of year, by the way, White Christmas, set in that that era of World War II. But I think back to the stories and the uh, the deeds we read, and I often wonder if I were alive in that time, if I would have been 18, 19, 20 years old at that time, would I have had the courage to say, you know what, I'm going to join up and I'm going to go fight for what's right. Um, I don't know. But I pray that today, in whatever situations I encounter, whatever life brings my way, that I would have the grace to step up to whatever God's calling me to, especially uh, things that require courage in everyday life, that I, I would have the courage I need to stand up at times that, you know, there's an opportunity to do God's will, to defend the faith, whatever it may be. Uh, today on the show, we're going to hear about tomorrow's feast. We're going to hear about the Immaculate Conception from Father Goring, just a small little reflection for us. We are going to hear from Father Hollowell, are virtues innate or do they require practice? Going back to that question I just asked, if I want to do virtuous things, can I just say, well, you know, God gives me the grace, I'll be virtuous, or do I need to practice virtue in everyday living? We also have a longer homily on the Immaculate Conception, and then we have for you a continuation of our series with Father Skillman on the Redeemer of Man, the first encyclical of St. John Paul II. So that's all ahead on today's show. Speaking of today's show, it is our last show for the week because tomorrow for the feast day, which is a holy day of obligation, we are going to uh, be taking the day off to honor the Holy Day of Obligation. And so we'll have Mass for you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. But I want you to think about that now. A lot of parishes, they have their morning Mass schedule. They'll have maybe a Mass this evening or tomorrow evening. They might have a noon Mass tomorrow, but you need to get to Mass. So when are you going to do that? Start thinking about that today. Let's go now to find out what else is in store today, at least weather-wise, by going to Mike Roberts and hearing about our saint of the day as well. Today is the memorial of St. Ambrose, bishop and doctor of the church. Born in 340 in what is now Germany, his father was a Roman prefect and he was the youngest of three children. According to legend, bees swarmed over his face when he was a baby, leaving a coat of honey. His father saw this as a sign of future eloquence, and this is why images of Ambrose often have beehives. His father died when he was still young, but Ambrose was able to continue his studies, which took him to Rome, where he followed in his father's footsteps and became a public servant. Eventually, he was made governor of the Lombard region in northern Italy, where he developed a well-earned reputation for an ability to handle difficult issues. It was during this time 
when the divide between Arians who denied the divinity of Christ and Catholics was at its deepest. In Milan, which was close to violence between the two groups, Ambrose was asked to moderate a heated debate. Not only did he succeed in keeping the peace, but he was elected bishop. Ambrose was fearless. When the empress demanded that the two basilicas be handed over to the Arians, he refused, telling her she would have to execute him if she wanted those. He also stood up to the emperor after the massacre of 7,000 Thessalonians who had revolted, saying, the emperor is in the church, not above it. The emperor not only recanted, but did public penance. He was a prolific writer, a tireless warrior against heresy, and had a great understanding of scripture. And of course, he was the mentor of St. Augustine. Guiding Ambrose always was his love for the Blessed Mother and Jesus. St. Ambrose, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose, make intercession for Holy Church. Protect the Sovereign Pontiff. Help all those who invoke you in their necessities. And since you are the ever-Virgin Mary and Mother of the True God, obtain for us from your Most Holy Son the grace of keeping our faith, of sweet hope in the midst of the bitterness of life, of burning charity, and the precious gift of final perseverance. Amen. Last week in our segment with Father Skillman looking at the Redeemer of Man, uh, St. John Paul II's first encyclical, we were talking about the divine dimension of the mystery of redemption. And today, you know, as we know, Jesus was a divine, or was, well, I, my, I gotta get my tenses here. Jesus is, he has not stopped being. And ever shall be. <laughs> yes. World without end. I, it's almost as if we have a prayer or a doxology for that, Father. Uh, Jesus is a divine person who took on a human nature. And we're gonna talk about the human dimension of the mystery of redemption today. Right, so if you remember the divine dimension was referencing what do we learn about God from the person of Jesus Christ? And we spoke about we learn that God is love, right? And that God is Father who loves us and has mercy upon us. The human dimension is going to ask the question, well, what do we learn about man? What do we learn about human nature? Because this also is part of the purpose of the incarnation, to reveal to us who we are. And he, here we encounter probably one of the best-known passages from this encyclical, and for good reason, because this is incredibly uh, just beautiful, and even it's poetic what he says here. Um, but John Paul, I'll just read the words for you all to hear. He writes, man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless if love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he does not participate intimately in it. This, as has already been said, is why Christ the Redeemer fully reveals man to himself. If we may use the expression, this is the human dimension of the mystery of the redemption. In this dimension, man finds again the greatness, dignity, and value that belong to his humanity. 
So the cross specifically reveals who God is, but it also reveals who we are meant to be. We are called to love, right? This is what it means ultimately for us to be made in the image and likeness of God. We're called to imitate God, even to imitate the cross by, by seeing that our vocation is to love, to make that gift of ourselves as, as Christ was doing on the cross. And so this is what Jesus reveals to us that at the heart of what it means to be human is this call to love. And, and he continues with, with just more incredibly beautiful words. He says, the man who wishes to understand himself thoroughly and not just in accordance with immediate, partial, often superficial, and even illusory standards and measures of his being. Uh, in other words, if you want to get to the heart of who you are and not just kind of live in certain aspects or on the surface of your humanity, this is what you have to do. He says he must with his unrest, uncertainty, and even his weakness and sinfulness with his life and death, draw near to Christ. He must, so to speak, enter into him with all his own self. He must appropriate and assimilate the whole of the reality of the incarnation and redemption in order to find himself. If this profound process takes place within him, he then bears fruit not only of adoration of God, but also of deep wonder at himself. How precious must man be in the eyes of the Creator. So here you have again this kind of humanistic um, aspect of, of the Holy Father's teaching, this invitation to wonder at our humanity, marvel at, at who we are. But we can only do that in light of Christ. You know, this is what distinguishes um, the humanism of John Paul from the secular atheistic humanism that so many think of when they hear that word, that it's only in Christ that we discover this, this dignity that we can marvel at. Um, and so he talks about this as a, a profound process, right? This is really the, it, it's a summary of the whole of the Christian life. The summary of the whole spiritual life is this process of deepening and deepening union with God and the person of Jesus Christ to the point at which we can adore God in a, a, a pure and complete way. And we have a perfect self-understanding, a perfect knowledge of who we are in God's plan. And so he, he says, in reality, the name for that deep amazement at man's worth and dignity is the gospel. That is to say the good news it is also called Christianity. Uh, this is really interesting that this is, you know, we think about the gospel and Christianity as kind of focused on God, which it is, but then the kind of fallout from that, if you will, is also this ability to be, to marvel at and be amazed by who we are because this God has become man. He has assumed a human nature and, and so this becomes the fundamental task of the church is to enable men and women to find that in Christ, to find the true, ultimate, most elevated understanding of the meaning of their lives. It's only in Christ. There are so many different directions I, I, I want to go to respond to this. I mean, I think of today's culture with the tabloid shows um, or the tabloid magazines and all of these things like, oh, did you hear the news? Did you hear what, what so-and-so did? And, and what so-and-so did has zero application for my life. You know, I could, I could go the rest of my life without having known that they did it. 
and my life wouldn't be affected or changed in any way, shape, or form. But we rushed to be like, oh, my goodness, that's the greatest thing ever. That's, have you heard the great news? And if this didn't involve us, if the gospel didn't involve us, would it really be good news? You know, well, there's Jesus, and he's going to redeem some people. But Adam, you and Father Skillman, sorry, you're out of luck. He, he, he doesn't even know who you are. You are not characters in the story. Well, that's not good news for you or I, Father. So that's the first thing. I think of as you say this. The second is just how important it is to understand who we are. And we look at the culture right now and and how many people are depressed because, you know, and, and they say, I I look at myself in the mirror and I don't feel like that's who I am or it, I don't want to be that person and I want to change who I am. And going to such lengths as to having surgeries and, and, and really taking drastic steps to try and conform who they are with who they kind of want to be or want to think that they are. And yet here's our Lord saying, I love you before you even change a thing. I love you, you know? And so often we're like, well, I guess it's contingent upon me getting to a certain point. Like God, God will love me if I get to here. And it's like, no, he loves you right where you're at. Now, the flip side of that is because he loves you, he's not also going to say, stay where you are. Let's, let's, let's find out who you really are in me and then start this whole process of redemption so that you can be even better, you know? And it's so vital right now to get that word out there. Absolutely, yeah. And I, you're saying something that he, it's so beautiful what he's getting at here is precisely this, this truth that we don't have to kind of get ourselves to a certain point and then we're ready to enter into relationship with God. No, he says, come with your unrest, your uncertainty, even your weakness and sinfulness to Christ, right? That, that confusion over who you are, it's only going to be resolved in the one who knows who you are and who you're called to be, and that's Christ. And bring, don't be afraid to bring to him your uncertainty, your unrest, your sinfulness. And, and this is really the hard work of prayer, right? It's, it's being willing to, um, in the silence, bring all of that stuff that's deep within us before the Lord, rather than living, we, you know, we live in such a culture of distraction where we're just kind of living on the surface of things. And he's saying, go deep and bring all of that to Christ. Enter, do the hard work of entering into prayer, and you're going to find in the person of the Redeemer what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know how many nights there have been where in marriage, you know, marriage is hard work. It's it's not just a walk through the park. It, there, there's a lot of hard work in marriage where I've been up in prayer saying, Lord, I don't understand why it has to be this way, why it has to be this difficult, why the rules are what the rules are, why, you know, all sorts of things, why I have to always be available for my children, you know, when they come knocking on my door for the fifth time in two hours at three o'clock in the morning, you know, why do I have to be the one to answer that door? And yet there's a beauty in all of that. And, And the right frame of mind is not to say, all right, how can I convince God to change things how I want them to be, but rather how can I change my understanding of things to see them as he created it mm-hmm. to be? Absolutely. Yeah. Although at 3 a.m. it is very tempting to say, Lord, can we change the plan here? And he says, no, no, but I'll help you understand the plan, Adam. It's okay. Well, Father, this is a great place to leave off for today, and I look forward to our next time together learning about the Redeemer of man. Me too. See you then. Prayer for God's blessing of one's daily work. O Lord my God, 
Creator and ruler of the universe, it is your will that human beings accept the duty of work. May the work I do bring growth in this life to me and to those I love and help to extend the kingdom of Christ. Give all persons work that draws them to you and to each other in cheerful service. I unite all my work with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Holy Mass, that it may be pleasing to you and give you glory. I beg your blessing upon all my efforts. With St. Joseph as my example and guide, help me to do the work you have asked and come to the reward you have prepared. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. It has been a reflective week this week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement as we continue to ponder the Incarnation in the Eucharist with Patty Schneier. Patty, thank you for being with us again today. Well, this week it's been a joy for me to just share these parallels with Jesus and the Incarnation that occur at Mass with the Eucharist. Usually I'm always focused only on Calvary, the Passion, Death, and Resurrection, and the Eucharist being that represented in an unbloody way, which it is. It's a both-and. This is not an either-or. But all of these reflections that I'm sharing come from the book, A Year of the Eucharist, and it's been showing me just with full clarity that there are parallels between the Eucharist and the Incarnation. So I was totally struck with this thought. In regards to the Eucharist paralleling the passion and death of our Lord, it's easy to recognize, and I do this all the time, the priest is acting as an altar Christus, right? He's offering the sacrifice on Calvary on our behalf, and then we at Mass become like Mary, right? We're standing at the foot of the cross during Mass. But I have never in my life thought about the Eucharist in terms of the Incarnation and how we become like Mary receiving Jesus into our own bodies as she did at that moment. And this thought came to me, God does not play favorites. We are invited to say yes to divine life within us and bear Jesus in our very bodies as Mary did. A little different manner, but still spiritually, it's the same thing going on. We all get to be like Mary at the incarnation at every mass. The incarnation is an invitation, really, for each and every one of us. Every time we go to mass, every time we go to communion, this is our fiat moment, our moment. This is my ascent and your ascent to allow Jesus to live and move and grow in us, in you, in me, literally. That thought just blew my mind, so I had to share it with all of you. The beautiful thing about the Daily Dose of Encouragement podcast is not only is today's encouragement good to ponder in this season of Advent as we prepare to celebrate the Incarnation with Christmas, but I'm going to file this one away for next spring as we're really intensifying our preparations for First Communion with our daughter. Patty, this has been a topic so far that has been great to ponder for this week, but I think the entire year there's such a richness of depth as we ponder the Incarnation in the Eucharist.
You may be saying to yourself, what is that beautiful chant that we just heard? And that was the Benedictines of Mary with their recording of the Alma Redemptoris Mater, a loving mother of our Redeemer. It's the Marian Antiphon, one of the four we pray at the end of night prayer, after night prayer, before going to sleep, said from the beginning of Advent and then through February 1st. Translated, O loving mother of our Redeemer, gate of heaven, star of the sea, hasten to aid thy fallen people who strive to rise once more. Thou who brought forth thy holy creator, all creation wandering, yet remainest ever virgin, taking from Gabriel's lips that joyful hail, be merciful to us sinners. Through Christmas Eve, we add to that, the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. After Christmas, we pray a different prayer following that, and it's a beautiful prayer as well, but we'll save that one for later on. This is a wonderful antiphon. Even if you don't pray night prayer, this is a beautiful prayer to pray before you go to bed. Where can you find it? Well, you know, I like to uh, go to our friends at EWTN for these prayers and just type in the name of the prayer, Alma Redemptoris Mater, EWTN, in the search engine. It takes me right there. I have the text. I have the Latin. I have the English. I have both the prayer to conclude it before Christmas Eve, and I have the prayer for Christmas onward with it there. And as I said, just a beautiful, wonderful prayer for us this Advent season. And you don't You're not limited to pray it just at nighttime when you go to bed. You could pray it in the morning. You could pray it midday. You could pray it uh, before or after you pray the Angelus, before or after you pray the Rosary. You could pray it on its own any time of day. And as you know, as you well know listening to this Roadmap to Heaven program, I love that title, Star of the Sea for the Blessed Mother. It's such a beautiful title for her, and she truly is the star guiding us safely home. So pray it this Advent. Let's let's pray it together. Today, uh, remember, you know, we, we said in the month of November that we were praying for the dead, but that after the month of November, we would continue to pray for the dead. Today, let's remember especially the lives of those who, uh, the lives lost of those at Pearl Harbor on this day, December 7th, a day that, uh, as President Roosevelt said, would be a day that would go live in infamy. So we pray for them today. And let's give thanks for this hour together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, Star of the Sea, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I hope you have a peaceful weekend and a wonderful, blessed feast day tomorrow on the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. We will have Mass for you at 7 a.m. tomorrow here on Covenant Network from EWTN as we are observing the Holy Day. I'll be back with you Monday morning with Roadmap to Heaven. Until then, be well and pray your rosary, not just today, but tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday too, every day. I'm Adam Wright. Have a great morning.